Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Monday of Holy Week. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of rich readings um, from, from Mass this morning and also in the Liturgy of the Hours as well. So, But be, before we start, let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The prayer I'll read is from the Collect of the Mass from this morning. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that though in our weakness we fail, we may be revived through the passion of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So. On the Monday of Holy Week, um, the gospel we we are presented with is is the um, the anointing at Bethany by Mary, um, as you can see in this image here. But we'll get more into that as we go through the um, meditation. In the first reading, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, we once again hear of the suffering servant, um, but this time it's a bit. Uh, different than yesterday's one, and this is what and these and these next two verses is what I would like to focus on for tonight's meditation in regards to the first reading from Isaiah. I formed you, and set you as a covenant of the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring prisoners out from confinement, and from the dungeon. Those who live in darkness. You know, as we mentioned last night, and if you read the reflection that I offered for today, we know now that this suffering servant is, is really Jesus Christ Himself. That that the suffering servant songs are the songs of that really pointed that really points to Christ. And we can see this in just these few verses here. He formed him and, and that he has made a covenant of the people. And now let's just bring our minds to the, to the Last Supper and even at Mass for us Catholics. What does the Lord say? He says, you know, take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is a child of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. The blood of the new covenant. Whose blood is it? Jesus is, right? So if it's the blood of the new covenant, then the covenant is Jesus himself. So here we can see that correlation, that connection. He is to so set you as a covenant of the people. 
truly then, this must point to Christ. And a light for the nations. Now notice here, it says the light for the nations. Not just simply a light for the Jewish people or the light for those um, present at that time. But it says a light for the nations, for the peoples. So this suffering servant, this, this covenant, then it's really for all peoples. It is a covenant that will bring light and life into the lives of all those who are willing to be open to it. Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and pagans, and all the way down to us today. This covenant extends even to us. And this servant will also open the eyes of the blind. And we think back a few weeks, we hear of the passage of blind Bartimaeus, right? And our Lord um, opens his eyes and he's able to see again. And, and some other passages and other healing miracles too, we see our Lord really opening the, the eyes of the blind, but not just physical blindness, but also opening the, the eyes of the heart, the blindness of the heart and letting in that light letting in that light into those um, dark places to bring out prisoners from confinement. And needless to say, our, our Lord fulfills us by freeing us from bondage, from confinement to our sins, leading us to freedom by the cross. And finally, again, from the dungeon to those who live in darkness, our Lord once again um, frees us from our sins, frees us from the darkness that we may live in, so that we may come to live in his light, his light and his life. So here we can see the imagery that that Isaiah is, is portraying here is, is pointing to Christ himself, that he is a suffering servant. And we have and we have this icon here of the suffering of the suffering servant as Christ himself. We see, you know, the crown of thorns and the and and this image of this reed here is really, we also read um, in this morning's mass in the verses, um, let me make sure I have it here. Just, just so you know, uh, th there you go. A bruised reed, he shall not break. In a smoldering wick, he shall not quench. So this is just another nice icon of the suffering servant. So now I want us to keep in mind this light imagery, this light for the nations, this light that opens up the blindness of, of people, of both their eyes and their hearts, and also the light that, that, that scatters the darkness of, of evil as we go into our responsorial psalm, which is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, again, really just solidifying, you know, the, the um, the the truth and identity of the suffering servant as Christ himself, that, that the Lord himself is our light and our salvation. And that in, in him, there is no darkness. If we are truly living out our baptismal call, we live in the light. We live in the light and we belong to the light. And, and if we belong to the light, then we have nothing and no one to fear. Because the Lord himself is our light. And truly, he is our salvation. Brought forth by the blood of the, by the blood he shed on the cross for us. 
you know, so just by, by the setting of the Holy Spirit upon us at Pentecost. So Psalm 27 is a beautiful psalm that, that really um, echoes um, the psalmist's um, faith in, in God. You know, and let me just read it to you, you know, because I just think it's very beautiful. Um, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers come at me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies themselves stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war be waged upon me, even then would I trust. I believe that I shall see the bounty of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord with courage. Be stout-hearted and wait for the Lord. You can just imagine King David writing this when he is um, in the midst of battle, right? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Brothers and sisters, I think sometimes in our world today, we may feel that we are surrounded and encamped against by, by armies of, of, of those who wish to, to shut the church up, by those who wish to, to say hush, hush to, to religion and to Christianity because our faith and the truth does not conform to their beliefs, to their desires. But yet we need not be afraid because the Lord is our light and our salvation because the Lord is with us. So even when everything and everyone around us seems to be um, this disparaging and, and leading us to a, a place of hopelessness or, or helplessness, we need to remember that God is with us. The Lord who is our hope our life and our light will deliver us from the hands of our enemies because he is our salvation. And now moving into the gospel for this evening. There's an image of, of Mary anointing our Lord's feet and, um, I just, I just want to point out here that this Mary isn't Mary of Magdalene, at, at least in, in John's gospel. Many people think that it's Mary of Magdalene who, who does this, but it's, it's actually Mary, the sister of Martha and Jesus. And, you know, I, I, I can't but think back to just um, some chapters before when when. Um, Jesus goes to their house and Martha is, uh, you know, cleaning the house, cooking and getting ready for our Lord. And Mary is just sitting there, sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know, seemingly just waiting. And Martha says, you know, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And the Lord says um, that he, Mary has chosen that the better part and he will not take that away from her. And here we can see Mary not just sitting there. But now doing something. And I can only imagine that perhaps, you know, this shows us um, that before we can do anything, we first must sit at the feet of Jesus. We first must sit 
and listen to the word of God before we can do anything. And although I, you know, this may not be in the commentaries, but this is just my own, my own personal meditation that, that, you know, now Mary is, is now after knowing and learning from Jesus, she now acts. And, 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 and there's a very big significance to what she's doing, because what is she doing? We're told that Mary took a liter of costly perfumed oil and anointed the feet of Jesus. What is Mary really doing? Who gets anointed in the scriptures? Right? Priests, prophets, and kings. Kings get anointed. Right? And so, you know, after Mary has met and encountered our Lord back there, and going with him and learning from him throughout these these times, these three years, I imagine. Now, she is maybe saying to us, I'm anointing our Lord because I know that he is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And so now I am anointing him as an act of one, charity, two, reverence, and three, saying, I know who this man is. He is my king and my God, my savior, Christ, the son of the living God. Brothers and sisters, it is only when we have spent time with the Lord, praying, meditating upon his word, living in acts of charity, will we come to know who he really is. Right? And Mary shows us that it is by being with him, journeying with him, listening to him, and walking with him, that she come to understand who he really was. Do we know who Jesus is? Or do we just know a lot about him? Or do we know him? That's something that we ought to reflect upon as we journey through um, Holy Week um, these next couple of days. And then we have the, the sad scene of, of Judas, of Judas sort of really rebuking Jesus, really. And this is what he says. He says, Then Judas the Iscariot, one of his disciples, and the one who would betray him, said, Why was this oil not sold for 300 days wages and given to the poor? You know, at face value, this might be reasonable. You know, this is very costly perfume, and there are lots of poor people out there. So why didn't Jesus say, you know what, save the oil, sell it, and give it to the poor? Why, why, why use it on me? Why waste it on me? Right? But we need to also understand um, Judas's perspective. Judas was the was really the treasurer, if you will, of, of the apostles. He handled the money, you know. And we can tell how much he loved the money because just by looking at the perfume, 
just by looking at um, the vase of perfume, he knows it's 300 days worth wages, you know. Um, and so Judas wasn't really worried about the poor, right? He wasn't worried about the poor. He was worried about him, himself. He wished that money could be in his pocket so that he can use it for whatever it is. And John goes on to explain this further. He says, he said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and held the money bag and used it to steal the contributions. So Judas wasn't coming from a point of charity. He was coming from, from a place of selfishness. And so our Lord says, leave her alone. Let her keep this for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So brothers and sisters, what are, what are the intentions behind our actions? Do our actions, are they sometimes disguised with well intentions or are they sometimes really masked behind something that is a selfish, a selfish or an ambitious intention? And, and we can sometimes see this when we are doing acts of charity or doing some good work. And do we do good because we're afraid of being punished by God? Or are we doing it because we know that this is the, what we should do and, it, and we want to do it, right? The intention of our actions um, says a lot about who we are. So Mary, her intention was not to waste the perfumed oil, but was to one, reverence her Lord, and two, really um, affirm Jesus in his identity, and three, a foreshadowing of our Lord's death, that he will be anointed um, in the tomb. So Mary's, Mary's act here isn't one of um, um, reckless lavishness, but it was one that is rooted, rooted in her love for Jesus. But Judas, on the other hand, what he said may appear to be charitable, but the intention was far from it. So we always hear the, the, the famous phrase, right? Don't judge the book by its cover. And, and here we can see it. Mar Mary seemingly wastes, wastes oil and money. And Judas seemingly cares for the poor. But the cover doesn't tell us the contents of their hearts. So brothers and sisters, let us be more mindful about our own intentions and what it is that drives us and motivates us to, to, to do what we do. And now the, the last part of this um, evening's reflection, I want to um, talk a little bit about Lazarus. And again, if you read this morning's reflection, um, you would see something similar here. Um, you know, Lazarus, our Lord's friend, if you recall just a few 
um, a few readings ago, either um, if you were at church during a time when, when they were doing the scrutinies, you, you'd have heard the raising of Lazarus. And, you know, as our Lord was, was journeying and traveling, he got word that Lazarus was dying. And so, you know, Lazarus was one of his closest friends. But instead of going right away to, to, to see Lazarus, our Lord waited. In fact, he waited until Lazarus died. And then he went to see him. So, and so for many of us, it's sort of like, you know, well, why would he do that? If, if my best friend was dying, I'll, I'd go right away to see him. But our Lord didn't, not because he didn't love Lazarus, but because he loved him so much that he knew that the father will use him to bring about a greater good. And that greater good is seen in today's gospel. What is this greater good? Here it is. The large crowd of the Jews found out that he was there and came, not only because of him, but also because of Lazarus, who see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And the chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus too, because many of the Jews were turning away and believing in Jesus because of him. Because of the miracle that happened to Lazarus, many people are coming to faith. Many people are coming to believe because of Lazarus' resurrection. And here's a very um, striking line. And the chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus too. What did Lazarus do? Nothing. He was dead. He just came back to life because the Lord had called him out. And yet even that is cause for him to die. My brothers and sisters, any connection that we may have with the Lord today may cause us to be hated too. And maybe, maybe we've experienced this personally in our workplaces or even at schools or even in our own communities that if we are a friend of Jesus, we too might be plotted against. Maybe not as bad as the, the Pharisees or Jews here, but, but maybe they'll have a preconceived notion about us. Oh, they're one of those people. Let's not include them. Or maybe they'll, they'll judge us. But, but, but we need to be prepared, brothers and sisters, that to be called Christian and to bear the name of Christ will include suffering will include persecution, will include exclusion from the world. We need, to, we need to be prepared and we need to be ready to say, you know what, that's okay. That's okay because whatever it is that the world has to offer is can't compare to what the Lord has offered me and continues to offer me. But that doesn't mean that we need to shut the people out. No. Because we bear the light of Christ, because the Lord, again, is our light and our salvation. Because the Lord has come into this world to bring us light to the nations, to cure the blind of, of their blindness, to make the deaf hair, to, to free the, the slaves and the prisoners, to shed light in the darkness. Because he has come to do this, and we who are baptized in him 
we too bear this light. We too now bring this light into the darkness of our world. We need to bear witness to this light. We need to show people what it means to live in the light, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Not by arguing with them, not by debating with them in public, not by knowing that we're above them, because that's not true, but by showing them by how we live, by showing them that even though they hate us or they judge us, we still care for them. We still love them. We still want their good. Because that is the greatest witness that we can give to Christ in our world today is by how we live our lives. Do we live out our baptismal call? Do we live our lives as Christians? You and I are both called to bear this light to all those in darkness. Reverend brothers and sisters, we know we are surrounded by darkness in today's world and it's continuing to. You know, I just read in a newspaper about um, even if, I think it, it was the governor of Pennsylvania, that even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, I think he said that that, that does not mean that it will affect the state or something. So, so we can see how, how our world, our culture of death, our culture of sin, our culture of hate is continually being perpetuated. But we must not lose hope. We must not lose hope or faith because the Lord is our light and our salvation. Because he has, has already conquered over sin and death. The victory is won. Let us not lose hope. And now let us just take the next two minutes in prayer. And here are three questions I offer for meditation. The first is, do we allow the darkness that is around us to settle within our hearts and affect us in a way that, that drives us away from, from Christ, away from our baptismal call? The second is, how is the Lord asking me and you to be his light today? Either in our families, our workplaces, our schools, and our communities, maybe even in our parishes. How is he asking us to be his light today? And finally, am I willing to share what is most valuable with, to me with those around me? Just like, Mar just like Mary who poured out the expensive oil to anoint Christ, that, as Judas says, is 300 days worth, are we willing to share what we have, what is most valuable to us, to, to those around us? So now let's just take two minutes, and you will hear some music, um, and we'll just take these next two minutes to, to pray and to meditate upon what we have just um reflected on and also these three questions and i encourage you to bring to the lord now anything that is on your heart any worries any fears any anxieties any uncertainties any doubts bring it to him because he wants to hear them and ask him to give you the courage to face him 
and the grace to know what to do. Brothers and sisters, this brings us to the end of our evening. Um, I will say the closing prayer, and then I will stop the recording, and then I can, and we can share any comments, questions that we may have for the time that I have left on, on, on this Zoom meeting. So, let us pray. Our powerful God, by the suffering and death of your Son, strengthen us and protect us in our weakness. Keep us always in your light so that we might come to see truly and lead others to you. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you, and I hope to see you tomorrow for day three of our Holy Week retreat. God bless you. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.